there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Saints Happy Hour needs your support so we can keep giving you the Saints coverage you love. Become a patron to help us keep giving you the best daily Saints podcast on earth. Supporting Saints Happy Hour gives you the best Saints podcast every day without any stupid ads or promos like this one. And patrons also get access to our private Discord channel where you can talk Saints 24-7, early access to podcast episodes, our world-famous booze bundle with four amazing swag items. So do it. Go to SaintsHappyHour.com and sign up today. That's SaintsHappyHour.com. Welcome to the award-winning Saints Happy Hour podcast. Seriously, this podcast has won awards. American standards are dropping every day. The show features Ralph, the best host in the world, who can barely pronounce his own name, much less anyone else's. Marcus Colson, Colston, I mean, uh, Marcus Calloway. Dave is that dude who loves taking bathroom breaks. He's mad about almost anything, so make sure to lower your volume when he speaks. Put that freaking clown meme back up that I made. Jesus Christ. Andrew has sources, watches tapes, and knows football. He rarely shows up on time and wants to commit crimes to help the Saints win. Sean Payton would have done illegal things. Don't tell me I'm wrong because you know it's true. Oh, and there's also Kevin, who is great at doing mock drafts, but struggles to actually watch Saints games or have a functioning relationship. Budrich wants to know how uh, the doctors do. That that ended. Anyway, grab a drink, sit back, and enjoy the insanity. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Okay, so... I got a very special guest on the podcast tonight. And listen, you know, we don't do too many interviews with like other bloggers and like we don't do like a giant NFC South preview because I don't care about the Panthers. I don't care about Tampa. Like Tampa was a, they had Tom Brady for five minutes. We had a little rivalry with them. Now they're irrelevant. They'll go back to being terrible. The one true rival for the Saints is the Falcons. So I had to get our friend Dave Choate from the Falcoholic on. And Dave, I feel like this, like I, Carolina, they want to be a rival. They're not. Tampa, they want to be a rival. They were not. Like it's, it's Atlanta. It's the Saints. We hate each other. And I feel like this year has the potential for both of us to be on top of this division. We play at the end of the year. Like this has the chance to be a fun, special year potentially. But do you feel like I feel like, like it's, it's, it's Falcon Saints and everybody else in the NFC South, like even... Even when they're good, we don't really care about them. Oh, yeah. Like, this year, it's going to be Atlanta and New Orleans. I think we know that. But even, you know, people always come at me and say, well, you can't talk trash about Tampa Bay because they won a Super Bowl recently and they were good recently than you. And that stuff just, you know, that bounces right off me. Like, I don't I don't care about Tampa Bay. I never will. You know, they, they're annoying for a little bit, but like every fly, you smash them, you move on with your life. So it, it's <laughs> it's a two-man division, and it always will be. Carolina is at least somewhat fun, but Tampa Bay, no, never. Never, no. It's true. And and the thing is, um, with this, with this, 
with this Atlanta Saints rivalry, it's it's really interesting now because y'all have Terry Fontenot. You brought a bunch of ex Saints players over. You brought in Ryan Nielsen, and we'll get to that. And I'm gonna we're gonna get to the offense last because that to me, I said I'm I'm I don't know about you, but I'm not a dra- I'm not a tape watcher. I'm not a draft nerd. I'm a gambler. I gamble on college football. So every year, I'm just like. I gamble on college football. And I'm like, these are my two or three guys that I believe are going to be good. And I said this year, Bryce Young's going to be good. Laporta, the tight end from Iowa, is going to be good. And Bijan Robinson. Those are my. Those are going to be all going to be good. And that you guys got him annoys me. Which we'll get to the offense in a second. But I want to start on the defense because that's where I feel like the Saints stuff really kind of connects because y'all added. Um, Caden Ellis, who was a really good linebacker for the Saints. You added Ryan Nielsen. But I'm going to start here. I was thinking about David Onyemata. And I was trying to think of like a comparison for like a cross Saints, like Atlanta Falcon, when they when they when we when we get another player like goes to, you know, from the Falcons to the Saints or vice versa. I think David Onyemata is y'all's Curtis, is y'all's Curtis Lofton. <laughs> where like uh. Saints fans got him, and we were like, we need a linebacker. He can be above average, kind of, sort of. And y'all were like, bro, enjoy that. <laughs> he's, bang, he's bang average. Good luck with that. And he was. He was bang average for the Saints for a few years. And, like, he didn't elevate the defense because the defense was terrible. I feel like that's Onyemata. Like, y'all bought a bang average defensive tackle. He hasn't been good. He hasn't been really good since he got off the juice. Um, <laughs> but, like, if he's bang average, like, will that be good enough for y'all? Or do y'all, like, what are y'all expecting out of David Onyemata? And do you like my I mean, comparison? <laughs> no, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like your comparison. Because, <laughs> first of all, I hated losing Curtis Lofton to you guys. Because I like Lofton. Um, and I, I don't like the, the bang average, right? Like, no, 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 that's, that's not, that's not ideal. Um, but, but I, I do think, you know, my expectations for him are probably a little bit lower, um, than a lot of fans. And I think it's just acknowledging that, you know, he is where he is from an age perspective. Um, you know, it's, he's here to help nielsen install things and get comfortable Mm -hmm. i think more than anything else but but you also have to remember that like yes bang average Mm -hmm. for the dollars is what we want but last year like you were you were throwing you know the guys that they were throwing at this problem they played way better than they should have but you're talking street free agents and undrafted guys so like if he is an average starter for a couple years for them like maybe that's not worth the money they gave him but yeah it's probably good enough for us like I, I i can't come to you and be like no we only accept elite you know defensive line play here i'm an atlanta falcons fan. that's, <laughs> that's not gonna right. happen and, and the thing is man like when you're a bad team like you have to pay the bad team tax like no no yeah. no bad team gets to escape the bad team tax like even the saints when they had like drew Brees and their defense was bad they had to play browner like you gotta pay the bad team tax and like y'all were like instead of being like no we're we're too good for it like y'all were like no we gotta pay the bad team tax come on down here um i my thing with you guys defense is teams building a defense with a bunch of free agents it doesn't seem to work like the first year i really believe kind of like y'all are one more good draft away from being a good defense. Y'all remind me of the 2016 Saints where like we went from atrocious to like 
glimpses of competence and not awful, but like 2016 where we were still bad. And what is it, what's y'all's opinion of Ryan Nielsen? Because here's the thing with the Saints. They got rid of Richards and they got rid of Ryan Nielsen. Like if Ryan Nielsen hadn't gotten the Falcons job, like the Saints were probably going to push him out the door. He was a great defensive line coach. Probably, I argued when he was here, he was, I said he was the best defensive line coach, college or professional. Like, he developed a ton of guys at NC State. He developed a ton of guys from the States. Onyemata, uh, Trey Hendrickson, and the list goes on at, at, for the Saints. But for the Saints, like, when they gave him more responsibilities, like, our sources on our podcast said, like, his run defense wasn't great. Dennis Allen had to kind of take control back from him. So, like, he was going to get pushed out the door, which was surprising to a lot of us because we were like, man, he was so good at defensive line. What's the impression so far of Ryan Nielsen? And, like, what's he going to like? What's he gonna run? I know people think he, they're like, oh, he's going to run the Dennis Allen defense. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Like, what, what do you think the Falcons are going to try to run? And what's, what's going to sort of be his philosophy think, on defense? Yeah, I think, you know, what we've seen so far, and again, it's preseason, you know, he's got, you know, one season with you guys as, was a co-defensive coordinator? Yeah, Richard, yeah. Co-defensive coordinator. yeah, so like, I, I don't have a great read on what he's trying to do. What, what I do know is that he intends to be aggressive, and like, we, we saw it in preseason, and I, I yeah. think as Falcons fans and like, you know, some of it was Dean Pease the last two years. Some of it was just talent and like probably more talent than Dean Pease, but you, you couldn't really run anything aggressive. You could not gamble, try to be, you know, he tried. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. But like we were, you know, we, we had that run, that great run where they didn't allow a, a 40 plus yard play for like a long time. And there was just like, it was, please don't let the big play kill us. That was the whole defense. It was mm-hmm. like red zone. Yeah. They tightened up in between the twenties. They were just letting them carve them up, you know, five yards, 10 yards at a time. And so to me, the fact that Nielsen's got some talent, hopefully to work with um, that, that's kind of the, the buzzword and like a, aggressive, everybody says they have an aggressive defense, but like, it's a noticeable difference from what the Falcons had a year ago, both in terms of the talent they have to execute it. And what Nielsen's doing, I don't, I don't think his defense is structurally going to look that much different than than Dean Pease's did. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of you know a lot of nickel, like most teams, a lot of three four fronts. Um, but I, I think the the key here is that they are going to try to get more takeaways. They're going to try to actually get you know above thirty first mm-hmm. or thirty second in sacks. They're going to go for it, and and I think. You know, can he do that well, they, with this talent? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, they they added um, they had they added. I'm drawing in the blank on the guy who's 100 years old from Baltimore. Um, oh, Calais Campbell. Calais yeah. Campbell. You're like he's another like, even if he's average, like that improves your defensive line. And it's annoying that Fontenot has drafted so well um, on the defensive line in different places. I like Jesse Bates. I love him. Like, and I, I, it annoys me that y'all got him. And, and I just want to, I know neither me or you care about the Bengals, but I'm going to tell you if there's a Bengal fan that just straggled along here, like they're replacing both of their safeties. I can vouch for it. Like the Saints had to replace 2000 plays at safety last year. It was a problem for like half the year. And like, I just feel like Bates will like a safety get you lined up, be secure back there. 
I really like him, you, you know, but I will say like y'all worked out system corner today, AKA Malcolm Butler, who the saints lusted after in 2017 hard. He hadn't played in two years. Like what's going on at the, at the corn at the opposite corner from uh, AJ Terrell. Yeah, that's a great question. So that actually, the Butler workout was the first time that I'm like, do they have a problem at corner? Because we came into the summer and, uh, you know, competition at that position looked really good. They got mm-hmm. like a dozen guys going for it. They had had some young talent. I really like AJ Terrell, obviously. I like their nickel corner, D. Offered. Um, you know, Fontenot special as as an aside there, right? Like that guy loves going to the CFL. It's clearly like a character trait with him. I know it was uh, Eric Harris with you guys. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the uh, the corner, Delvin Bro. Is that it? Yeah, Delvin Bro. Yep. Who who, yep. who was really good for the well well. It's hard because the Saints defense, they were so bad in that stretch. Like anybody who was average, we were like, he was really good. Like Delvin, great. Yeah. Delvin Bro was an average NFL corner. And then the medical staff for the Saints misdiagnosed his leg and he was kind of never the same. But he was like an average guy. But thing is, like if you get an average guy for the, if you get a roster guy from the CFL, that's a win, right? It's a win. It's a win. And, and, and that's the thing is so like they've got two positions figured out and, and, Jeff Akuda, I'm excited about when he's healthy, but it's pretty clear now between Akuda and Mike Hughes, um, who I think was going to be one of their key reserves, neither of those guys are going to be out there for week one. I feel confident yeah. saying that now, no matter how rosy the spin that the staff is putting on it is because because they're working out Malcolm Butler. And to me, you know, he's, he isn't signed yet, but I don't know what Malcolm Butler is going to bring you after not playing in the NFL for two seasons, two plus seasons, basically yeah. Um, that you couldn't get from a younger guy. So that, that's the first thing that's kind of like giving me some pause here is like the quarterback group can't be that bad, right? Like the plan right now is Trey flowers, who I think is, is fine for a couple of weeks, especially mm-hmm. Carolina, not having any wide receivers right now. <laughs> but um, you look at, yeah, you look at that and, and you, you do have to wonder why, why Malcolm Butler, like, you know, and again, great player in his stretch. Maybe he's still got something, but the fact that he hasn't shown up in the NFL for the last couple of years, that, that does worry me. It's just desperation. I mean, I always joke, that, like, don't pay attention to what the Saints say, pay attention to what they do. And like, we saw it when they, when they had defense or when they had guard issues, like they brought Jari Evans back in 2015. I think they signed, they signed him on a Wednesday and he started on a Sunday and like they were, he counted for the salary that he was making and the dead money because they had cut him earlier in the se- in the off season and they just couldn't fix guard and they're like we're bringing it back, you know, and, <laughs> and so yeah. that that's the issue. But for you guys, um, it's annoying that that I feel like Terry Fontenot has drafted really well and like uh, I was secretly kind of hoping that he was like Ryan Pace quality GM, but he's clearly not. Like you guys have drafted, I think, pretty well. Now we get to the offense and Arthur Smith, like clearly he is, he's an elite, I feel like offensive coordinator, which makes it just saying it makes disgusts me. Um, (laughs) But the thing with the Falcons, it's weird. is like y'all chased Deshaun Watson as hard as the saints did. And like, I think me and you are on the same wavelength. We wanted no part of that. Like, well, we were like happy. Like, thank God he went to Cleveland. I I think he, I think not playing for two years is going to affect him. I don't think he's as good as he was. I think 
both of, both of our teams dodged a bullet on that one. But the Saints sort of took the, the turn of, hey, we went after Deshaun Watson. Okay, well, who's the next veteran quarterback? It's Derek Carr. Cool. I have a relationship with him. We're still going all in. Y'all sort of pivoted the entire different direction. You're like, Matt Ryan, you're out of here. Uh, we'll send you off to Indianapolis. You're cooked. And you're going with Desmond Ritter. And it just surprised me in this sense is like, that offense is ready to go. Like I look at the I look at the line. You, you know, you drafted. How do you say his name from the kid from Syracuse? Oh, uh, Matthew Bergeron. Bergeron. Yeah, you drafted yeah. him. You've got some decent. You know, you've got some decent line. The run game, of course, without some is incredible, right? Um, so you've got that in place. You got the high graphics. You got Bijan Robinson. You've got Pitts at tight end. You've got. Um, you know the receiver. I feel like you got you. You've got the guy, the kid you drafted out of USC. But yep. um, this offense, I feel like it's it's Drake London. I feel like it's ready made. If you just had like you get like average quarterback. So I was just slightly surprised that like they're gonna roll with Ritter. So what's been the impression of Ritter so far? I know he hasn't played that much, but but what's the feeling around like how he's been practicing and that sort of. Yeah, I think it's uh you know it's funny because you you mentioned the drafting thing. It's like the draft was the the big debate point on Falcons Twitter slash X um, today, being Tuesday. Um, and the other debate is Ritter, right? And, and whether he's going to be the guy or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a debate that I get because we we don't really know, right? We've only seen him for four games. It wasn't overly impressive. Um, you know, he is a third round pick, you know, the accuracy seems to come and go a little bit, but I think the Watson thing really threw people off too, because, you know, my impression of this based on things I've heard, just my own thought process here is that, you know, it was a heavily owner driven pursuit of Watson. And I think with the Falcons, the plan was, they were going to draft Desmond Ritter. People act like they decided to draft Ritter. So they had a young quarterback. After all that happened, they were drafting Ritter one way or the other, if they could get him. And they were going to let him sit behind Matt Ryan for an entire year. So they, this all threw off timelines. It threw everything into chaos. But I really believe that Ritter was the guy. There's a quote from um, Dwayne Jones, who's the – he was the assistant college scouting director. Um, I want to say he's been promoted. But anyway, so he was saying, you know, Ritter is a guy that – wowed them and they are really invested in him essentially. And and so I think regardless of what we all think of it, like they have an unshakable faith going into this year that he can be at least an average quarterback. And so they're staking so much on that when you think about it, because there were other options, there were other guys they could have gone and gotten. So to me, the fact that they are all in on him tells you something about how they perceive him. Um, and, and tells me that, you know, he's probably got something there. So, yeah. you know, the weapons you've got around him, it's probably enough for him to look pretty decent, but I think he'll be pretty decent anyways. I think the big question is, can he be better than that? Or is he just going to be, 
you know, a caretaker for an elite offense. And I, I, I don't know the answer to that. You need to become a Saints Happy Hour patron. It's best Saints podcast and community in the world. You get every podcast without no commercials, early access to special episodes, and patron-only perks. You get to talk to my dad on Discord. And you get cool swag box delivered to your house. Go to SaintsHappyHour.com and sign up today. That's the best commercial ever. The thing is with, with, with you guys, you seem really committed to Ritter. Where like the Saints, they were never committed to Jameis at all. Like it was like no. they tried to get Watson. They tried to get Russell Wilson. They tried to get Mac Jones. Like, you know, like Jameis just was like option three or four. And they were like never really committed to him. And the, the, the baffling thing with that is like I still don't understand why they paid Jameis. Jameis so much money last year. Like they could, like Jameis should have got like n- like no money. Like he should have been like borderline, like like one year, like eleven million. And the Saints, I guess maybe they felt bad because they chased they chased Watson and they had to go back to him, so they threw him some money to make him feel better. But um, the thing with Desmond Ritter, he, the games he started, the one thing that I loved him at Cincinnati, and yeah, the one thing that stood out to me that was a little bit surprising was his Raz score was elite yet yeah. his mobility and it, it it didn't wow me and that was the one thing that was what was really interesting um but the but the author smith offense is like it's so it, it, it's so well built and mariota was so bad in it last year like there was open i mean oh, i know they joke but like it was open dudes left and right and it's like oh my god like i felt i and like I never feel bad for Falcons when you lose, but there was points where I was like, I feel bad for Mariota. Like, he's kind of, he's totally cooked. And like, there's like, this is not like, it isn't like when you see a, 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 like, like Matt Ryan, for example, with the Colts, like he was cooked, but they had all sorts of other issues, right? And you're like, well, he's cooked and they're off the line and cooked. They got Jeff Saturday coaching him, like, poor guy. But like with, with with Mariota, I was like, "Whew, they got open dudes, and he's just not hitting them." And um, what do you think is going to be? Because they do so many different formations. Are they still going to split carries with Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, or is Bijan going to be like the focal point, whether it's running or passing? Like, how are they going to how are they going to decide? who's going to be the main offensive go-to guy besides the quarterback, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a hot hand approach. I, I think, you know, there's some skepticism about this and I get it because I think Arthur Smith, you know, he's shown himself to be a really good offensive coach. He is elite at designing an effective ground game. Like I have no qualms about that whatsoever. We saw that there is a limit you know, with your quarterback play and your receiving options to what he can do. And so there's some nervousness there, but he, you know, he's talked, this team has talked more generally about positionless football, right. And like having guys line up wherever they can and create chaos. And, and I think honestly that, you know, people are going to look at Bijan and they're going to be like volume, right. 300 touches. This guy is going to go nuts. Like the sky's the limit. He's an elite player. I don't think the Falcons look at it that way. I think he is, he's not going to split touches with Tyler Algier, but I think it's going to be closer than people think it is. And the reason for that is because I think you want to use a player like Bijan in a way 
that you maximize the effectiveness of every touch. You don't want him tired. You don't want to bang him into the teeth of the defense 10 times. That's pointless. That's not who that guy is. He can do it, but that's not what you really should be using him for. Tyler Algier, on the other hand, he excels at that. You put him, you know, in somebody's face and you have him run right into him. He's strong. You know, he's deceptively fast. He's good at that. So to me, it's not going to be that Bijan is like, the focal point of the offense in that he's going to get a massive number of touches. He's going to be the focal point in the offense in we are going to design these plays specifically to do something crazy with him, try to get that huge yardage. Um, but it's, it's going to be, and it's the same thing with the receiving options. I don't think there's going to be like one standout guy. It's not Kyle Shanahan, 130 targets for Julio Jones. Like it was in 2015. This is going to be spread the ball out. So I, I think it's going to be a much more, even split than people think it will be. And I, I imagine there's going to be some pissed off fantasy owners when Tyler Algier scores as many touchdowns as Bijan, which I think could very well happen. Side note, you mentioned Kyle Shanahan. I forgot that y'all hate him. Um, how enjoyable <laughs> I am, How enjoyable was it that they just totally set three first round picks on fire for Trey Lance? How, how much did you enjoy that? I, you know, it's so funny because I don't get him. He's obviously, um, you know, he's an offensive genius. I think he's one of the great coaches in the NFL. And, you know, I, I, I don't hate the guy per se, but at the same time, like as somebody who liked Trey Lance a lot, um, might've drafted him on some fantasy teams of my own dynasty leagues. Um, it's, it's insanely frustrating to watch that, right? Like, because it feels like all Kyle Shanahan really wants at any given time is a schlubby guy who doesn't excel at anything, but can run his offense exactly the way he wants. He wants Kirk you know, Cousins. He wants like he wants Kirk Cousins. He wants Matt Schaub. And like I would never call Matt Schaub schlubby. So let me take that back right now. But you know, he just wants yeah. he doesn't need an elite trait guy. And it feels like he tried to switch things up with Lance and then just quickly got bored with it. And like that's why that trade was so insane. So on that hand like seeing it flame out is great because it's, it just proves the theory, right? That this is who Shanahan is. This is who he wants a quarterback. He wants yeah. Mr. Irrelevant well, under I, center. Yeah. I yeah. Want, hopefully it flames out with Bryce Young in Carolina because Carolina being terrible, Tampa being terrible would be delightful. You know, and when we talk about the yeah. Saints, when we talk about the Saints season, you know, people ask me like, what has to go, what do you worry about? Saints fans will tell you, well, we worry about depth in certain stuff. We worry about the offensive line because kind of only five deep and the solution is just prayers and novenas and light candles and hope for good health. What do you look at for Atlanta before we talk about what needs to go right? What do you look at and you're like, if this goes wrong, the whole freaking thing collapses in a sense of not that you're going to go four and 13 or whatever, but it, but you're like you're not going ten and seven. You're not going eleven and six. You're not winning the division. You're not competing for the division. What do you look at it as you're like that? Worries me. It scares me. These things, these one or two things, have to go at least reasonably well for us to, for us to succeed. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think one thing is health, um, and, and you know what a crapshoot, right? Like you can't control that, but unless they make some significant moves in the next couple of days, like that offensive line depth, that wide receiver depth, 
linebacker really like it's it's thin like maybe one or two of these guys are able to step I feel up like offensive line is like that everywhere like team like it's I, like that everywhere but two, two like, injuries away from calamity every team is my theory oh absolutely but like for the falcons like i'll say this so right now the they got four guys and they probably won't keep that but they got four reserves and i looked it up and like combined between the four of them it's like 120 regular season snaps <laughs> so like there is completely unproven you know living on a prayer type of stuff back there and it's kind of similar at inside linebacker yeah. it's it's really thin at outside linebacker wide receiver it's like you know matt collins drake london scotty miller and Linebacker's then who knows one of those things you can go get and trade for maybe do you think they might try to do something at, at linebacker I think it's possible for sure. I think, you know, they're comfortable with their starters, but, you know, again, the depth is unproven. So I I do expect some moves, and maybe some of that puts me more at ease. But, like, the health is definitely right now, you know, you're talking a key injury at a a position or two, and you got the calamity, like you said. So that is one thing. The other piece that that does concern me is, you know, is – is there a pass rush? Like, because you've got mm-hmm. Grady Jarrett, you know, you've got Calais Campbell, you know, Onyemata, you, you've added some talent here. Caden Ellis, obviously seven sacks a year ago. If he replicates that, we're going to be really happy. But like you put the whole puzzle together and it still doesn't look like they have a great pass rush. And, you know, secondary is better. You got Jesse Bates there, but I can still see this defense kind of hinging on, whether they have a decent pass rush or not. And that is the one area on defense where I can see them falling short again. So it's, to me, it's, it's familiar things, right? Like, are you an injury away from catastrophe as they have been in recent years? And is the pass rush good enough? Like it's familiar. It's a familiar problem despite everything. Yeah. Well, Kane Ellis is interesting to me because he had the seven sacks, but like four of them, he had two of them against the Rams who they were starting like hobos on the offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. Against Pittsburgh. But the thing with Caden Ellis was even in camp last year when people were like, oh, is he going to make the team? Dennis Allen's like, yeah, he's going to make the team. We have a role for him. He's going to contribute. You'll see. And he, he did it. So it'll be interesting. And to be honest, like Trey Hendrickson, when he left, I really liked him. But I was like, he's not going to replicate that third. Like, the Saints defense is elite. He's going to Cincinnati. Like, he ain't replicating third. He ain't getting double-digit sacks again. But he'll be a nice player. And he's, like, all pro. So, like, you, you never yeah. know. Um, uh, the other thing with, with Atlanta is how much, like, in a general sense, how much pressure is on them? Just because I look at Arthur Smith and, look, he's a great you said, and I agree with you, unfortunately, is he's a great offensive coordinator. But if they don't win the division, they don't have a winning record, and he turns out another 7-10, and 8-9, that's three losing seasons in a row. Like, coaches in the modern NFL, like, you get three losing seasons in a row now to start, like, you don't survive. Like, even as great as Sean Payton was, if he had turned out three straight or four straight six, seven, and nines to start. Like, even if they were scoring a ton of points with Drew Brees, like, I don't know if he'd have got a year four or definitely not wouldn't have got a year five. So, like, what's the what's the expectations of Falcons fans and what's the expectations of the front office of what they should do this year? 
Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. So from the Falcons fan perspective, like we're expecting a winning season. Um, definitely at least flirting with playoffs. I think there's plenty of fans that will tell you it's playoffs or bust. Um, and I get that we've waited. It, it's been five years like of just garbage. And so we're, <laughs> we're all tired of it. Um, so, you know, I, I think the low end expectation is like, you know, nine and eight. And I think that's low. I, I'm personally about 10 wins um, just based on everything I've seen to this point. And I think the front office and the ownership group, it's, they won't give you a number. Right. And I, I think Arthur Blank's been really clear that like it's not playoffs or bust from his perspective. And I think that I think he's got Arthur Smith has a year for. I think he's got a year for unless this team completely collapses. We're, you know, we're if we end up talking about a four or five win season and it's not because injuries have piled up or something like that, that would be a huge disappointment. I, I think at that point maybe the front office and and blank feel pressure to do something. I think other than that, he's getting a, a year for it. They, they feel very strongly that like this, you know, team was put in a bad position um, based on what happened previously, the work they had to do just to get this roster to competent again. So I, I think he's getting a year for, but again, I think the expectation, whether they'll say it or not, is is a winning season and contending for the NFC South, as it should be. You know, the division is weak, the schedule looks easy on paper, and the roster is improved. At some point, that has to be good enough for you to say, well, we can't go 7-10 and 10 again, because I would personally be pretty pissed if they went 7-10 and 10 again. <laughs> well, it was last year. You know, I think me and you were, were joking. People around the country were like, the NFC South is terrible. How can their fans enjoy this? And I was like, this is amazing. Like, we're the we're <laughs> the dumpster fire of the NFL. Like, there's hope everywhere. And, like, the fun of the NFC South is every team, except for maybe Tampa, thinks they can win the thing. Like, Carolina probably thinks they can win the thing. Tampa even is like, if it breaks right, and Baker, he went with Cleveland. If, if you know, if we can get something out of him, we got a new offensive coordinator, maybe it can go right. Like, everybody in the South thinks they can win, and everybody in the NFC South has a, what looks like a cakewalk of a schedule, because we get to play each other, and we get to play the AFC South. <laughs> like, it's... Exactly, exactly. And, and, and that's the whole thing. It's like, it'll be like that. <laughs> To a lesser extent, because again, I think there'll be more separation between the good teams and the bad teams. But we we know that this division, once again, is going to be looked at with fear and disgust by the rest of the league. Maybe the AFC South takes that over for us a little bit, but uh, and that is fun. You know what? Like, let's get down in the dirt and roll around in it and enjoy it because somebody's got to win it, and it doesn't have to be pretty. I was I was arguing with national people. They're like, listen, the Saints with their all their cap and their $60 million over the cap, if they go 10-7 and seven and win the division, like, that's not good enough. And I was like, not. Like, yeah. get me in the – like, all I care about – I mean, like, I want to win championships. It's fun. You want to go deep in playoffs. But to me, like, we invest so much time and effort, especially you with the blog and stuff. Like, we invest so much time and effort in doing the podcast – I just want it to be fun for 17 weeks. I want to get to December 1st and I want to be like, we can win. If we can go three and one in December, we can go to the playoffs. I want that last Falcons game to mean something. That's what, like, I don't enjoy, like, I don't want to rebuild. I don't want to go through the muck. I'm not doing that willingly. Um, A couple of things before we get out of here, but this question with Ritter, what level does he have to be 
and you don't have to give me like specific stats or whatever, but like quarterback level, like one to 32, what level does he at least have to reach for Atlanta to be nine and wins and be in contention, be a serious player? What's the minimum requirement for him? Yeah, I think, you know, I've been saying have a half finished article somewhere that has these numbers in it. So whether I publish it or not, I, I can put my name next to it. I got him sort of being in the, the 16 to 26 range. Right. And I, I think at the low end of that, at the, as the 24th or 26th best quarterback in the league, Falcons can probably still win that many games. They can drag him along <laughs> with them and he can do just about enough, you know, to put them there because they won <laughs> you know, five games in, in however many tries with Mariota. And toward the end, Mariota was clearly like ballast, right? You know, he may have started the year capable enough, but by the end of it, he was probably in the 30s, I would say, um, in, in terms of just just results at the end of the day. So if you're a little bit higher than that, with the talent infusions they got on both sides of the ball, they can win nine or 10 games if he's closer to like middle of the pack, which is, I think his ceiling for this year, they can be at least that good, if not better, because, you know, again, you can win a lot of games in this league. If you have the right roster and the right coaching staff with fairly average quarterback play, even with a little bit below average, you just, you can't survive like thermonuclear bad quarterbacking for very long. Um, so that that's to me, like if he's 24th, 26th, it's not ideal. It makes me wonder about his future, maybe, but you can still win with him. Yeah, it would be like if he's 24 to 26, it's, it, it's going to be probably a slog, and you're probably going to go to that final Saints game like 8 and 8, you know, or like, yeah, you know, like needing to, like, hey, we're 8 and 8. We need to win and get in the playoffs. And, and hey, Desmond Ritter, you better freaking win this game or come in the offseason we're going to be looking to get rid of you cuz you're 20 you know you're the 25th best quarterback. So I I think that's fair. Um overall like where you know you you said that, that it's it's the expectation is they're going to have a winning season, they're going to be good. Where's the expectations in the fun level for the Falcons fans. I can tell you Saints fans, like our fun level is off the charts. And Jimmy Graham injected a level of optimism and fun into our fan base that I, when they signed him, I was like, oh, that's cute. He's going to be like, maybe he'll play a little bit. Like it's injected a level of fun and nostalgia and excitement that I, I'm fairly surprised by. Um, But where are the fan, where are the, the Falcons fans excitement level? Uh, for this coming year? Like, how do you see in like, not necessarily traffic numbers, but just vibes. What's the vibe you get running your blog every day? Yeah, it's, it's, I think we've been in the muck for so long that there's still, yeah, still a significant contingent of fans out there who are just not as excited as maybe I am. um, And and a lot of others are, I think they got to see it and I get it. But I, I would say generally in the fan base, like, we're ready to have some fun. Like this, this team looks fun. Like you've got Kyle Pitts, you've got Drake London, you've got Bijan Robinson, you've got an actual NFL defense. Like those are fun things. Those are going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I, I think just having an offense that's designed as so chaos and, you know, 
do weird creative things we hope with positions and then just having this back that everybody talks about like he is the second coming of Barry Sanders and Walter Payton rolled up in one um you know that is fun and so to me like that's where generally I think most people's level of optimism is or or, or vibes around this team is just like feeling like it's going to be a good time even if we kind of have that back of the mind expectation. Like maybe this doesn't work out here. Maybe Ritter isn't that great, et cetera. You know? So I I do think there's, there's an expectation. Like this team has not been fun for a while. It's been (laughs) fun for like a moment, the Raiders game a few years back running last year as much as they did, but that that's been it. So this is, we're ready. Yeah. And final thing, and then we'll get out of here. Um, I said at the top, like, Bijan Robinson, I'm convinced he's going to be one of the one of the really good people in the draft. Are are you as afraid of Brian Brissy as I am of Bijan Robinson? Because Brissy, I feel like I can't believe the Saints got him at 29. Like he he's he he's got all the physical skills. Maybe he is not healthy. Maybe he ends up being a bust. But like I see it, and I'm like, oh my. God, I can't believe they got to tackle that good. Are are you afraid of Brissy as much as I am afraid of Bijan Robinson? I don't think as much, but I will say, like, I was not, <laughs> you know, I thought he was a good pick for you guys, as, as good as I'm going to allow myself to ever think anything of the Saints. Um, but but seeing, uh, you know, a few of the highlights, see, you know, I'm definitely a little bit nervous about that. I'm looking at the interior of the line. With a rookie starter, you know, Drew Dahlman at center, I'm, I'm kind of up and down on. I'm thinking, might not be pretty. <laughs> there might be some problems <laughs> there. So, you know, if I'm nervous about anything besides, you know, Chris Olave and, and, you know, just the way that the Saints always seem to find some dumb way to punish the Falcons via Taysom Hill or, or whatnot. Yeah, I, I would say that I'm a little bit nervous about that. Final question, and then I'll let you get out of here. If I said to you, Dave, you can have nine and seven going into the last week, but you got to beat the playoffs. Or you can have what's behind door number two. Might be better. Might be worse. Might be, might be everything comes together for the Falcons. Maybe you think they can be better than that. But would you take nine and seven Steel cage death match with the Saints, final week of the year, or would you choose door number two? Yeah, if I can't guarantee what's behind door number two, which of course I can't in this scenario, I'm taking the death match because, you know, <laughs> honestly, I, you know, that that's one of the first games I remember is the 91 uh, playoff game. Falcons beat the Saints. I still got my 91 Falcons shirt uh, in my drawer somewhere. And, to me, that is like a, that is a highlight of fandom. You know, obviously I was young enough to really, really love that, but beating you guys in high stakes scenarios, it just doesn't happen often enough. We so I, you know, I'd be nervous same. about it. Same. I'd be nervous about it. <laughs> I mean, I but, was nervous about it. I, I would take, if you offered me nine and seven in a steel cage death match with me, I'm with you. I'm like, I don't know what find door number two. I think the saints might be better, but like they've had so many injuries. 
But like that's the thing. Like the, the Saints and Falcons, we don't play high stakes games. We play games that only we care about. It's mud wrestling. The rest of the country either ignores us or laughs at us, and we don't care because we're so petty. We're wrapped up in our own rivalry. We don't care what the rest of America thinks. Like the high stakes Saints Falcons games. Like I don't think you have one hand's worth of them. So like it would it would be amazing. But it would also terrify me in the age of social media because the winner gets to hold that over the loser probably for years because we don't we don't play high stakes games on the regular. Like you might not have another high stakes Saints Falcons game until twenty thirty five. Oh, it would it would no, delight yeah. me and terrify me, Dave. And that, that that's really what being a fan of your favorite team is all about, and especially with this this really dumb overcharge rivalry <laughs> wherever one of us makes a joke so about dumb. the other team so you just dumb. get picked yeah. apart for it whether it's funny or not like it, it's just it is what it is and so having that high stakes scenario like yes it would be devastating yeah. if they lost that and i would regret everything but the, the opportunity to win and how sweet that would be yes i would take that <laughs> so dave before we get out of here tell people how to find the falcoholic blog because saints fans it's a, it's a great blog if you want to know what the heck is happening like with the falcons because we play them twice a year and you want to know like how their year's going the, the falcoholic is where i go like if i'm like i need to know about the falcons what's going on like that's where i go tell the people how to find you guys yeah, so we're we're at thefalcoholic.com. Um it's year year 17 for us. So we've been we've been around a little while now. Um and this hopefully will be one of the better ones, but you can also find us at the falcoholic on almost every social media uh channel you can think of. I don't think we're on Pinterest yet. Um we may never get there. You're going to put recipes but, Falcon recipes. Yeah, we're, I I'm not uh That's right. I, I do that like once a year for the Super Bowl. I'll post a recipe, but not every day. Um but yeah, so you can find us there and yeah, we we uh we'll be talking a lot about the roster and how things are going. So if you're curious to see what the Falcons are up to as you said, um you can come check us out. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening. Support the show. Go to Saints Happy Hour. Become a patron. Support the show. We can't do it without you guys. So, uh, once again, thanks, Dave Choate from The Falcoholic. And I'm Ralph Marlboro. And until next time, the bar is closed. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.